And be seated. So today we're going to talk about habits, those things that we do without even thinking about them. I'm sure all of you have your own routine. You probably had your routine this morning. I have my routine on Sundays, which is different than the rest of the week. And today my routine was just a little bit different. So if you're very observant, you'll notice that my ensemble is not quite complete this morning. Anybody know what I forgot? My cross, that's right. I forgot my cross. Now, I've done this, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times, hundreds of Sundays. Why would I forget today? Well, you have cues in your life. It's usually you do one thing, then you do the next, and the next, and the next. And so in your routine, if you miss one thing, then you might miss another. So for me, usually what I do on a Sunday morning after I get dressed, then on my dresser right there on the top, I always have my cross and my tab. Did you know these things pulled out? That's a little secret trick there as pastors have. Don't really have to wear that whole thing underneath. So I usually just then put that on and away I go. But last night I had a wedding, so that changes the whole routine of a Saturday night. We didn't get home until late, and I took my cross and my tab off because I had to watch the rest of the ball game first. We won't even get into that. And then I went upstairs. So somewhere I left that cross. It wasn't there this morning, and so I couldn't put it on. The only reason I had the tab is because I keep a spare one in my drawer here at church. I should keep a cross too, right? That I can never be without. But that's how it goes with habits. We do things almost automatically without even thinking. For example, when we go home, whether it's from work or or whatever it is, we have a routine, your car probably knows the way home automatically. Mine does. My van knows the way home. I just come right out of here. I turn right on 14. I turn right on Oak Street or Dole. I turn left on, on Oak, left in my subdivision, left right into my driveway. It knows the way. I don't even have to tell it. It doesn't have to think about it at all. So if my wife tells me on the way home from church today that she needs a gallon of milk, what do you think is going to happen? The car doesn't know how to do that. It's not my fault, it's the car's fault. Because it has its habit, it just goes that route. That's how we are. In fact, I would submit to you that there are really no good habits or bad habits. Oh, certainly those things that in the long run will be good for us or not so good for us. Those things that are good or hurtful. But every habit, as long as it is effective or meets one of your goals, either known or unknown, you will continue to do it. That's why I have that bowl of ice cream every night before I go to bed. I know it's not good for me. I know that. But in the moment, I love it. It gives me something. Now, the next morning, I don't feel so good, but it serves a purpose. If you're a smoker... You probably know that the Surgeon General has said many bad things about smoking cigarettes, and yet you do continue because in the moment it has met a need. Maybe it relieves stress or something like that. So we want to talk about habits that in the long run, in our lives, and certainly in the next life, will continue to bless us. We want to develop holy habits. They're going to groove our character. Now, some of you are familiar with a golf swing. Uh, I know what it's supposed to look like. I cannot duplicate it. 
<laughs> Some of you have that problem, right? You see golfers, professional golfers on television or maybe at, uh, at, at an event and you see the golfers often do this without clubs. Have you ever seen that? They do this swing thing because they want to get the groove. Automatically, their, their muscles have memorized what they're supposed to do. Well, we want to do that in a little different way. We want to do that spiritually. We want to groove our character to be more like Jesus. And in so doing, so that we might become closer to God. So let me ask you this morning, how many of you would like to be more like Jesus? Raise your hand, anybody? You're in church now, don't forget, right? We all want to be more like Jesus. At least I hope that we do. So how many of you would like to love more like Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay, good. That's a good sign. How many of you would like to forgive like Jesus forgives? Would you like to do that and not struggle so much with forgiving someone? Would you like to be as generous as Jesus? Raise your hand. No, not so many. <laughs> maybe, ma'am, maybe not, maybe not. Okay. Would you like to have mercy like Jesus? Would you ha- like to have the relationship Jesus has with God the Heavenly Father? I know that I would. So here's a question for the morning. Why aren't you? <laughs> Why aren't you more like Jesus. We have the desire, that's usually not the problem. And it's probably not a lack of willpower either. No, the problem really is our habit. Just like me, you probably have developed a number of bad habits in your life. Some of them physical, some of them mental, maybe spiritual habits. And so what we want to do is we want to groove some new habits over these next 40 days. God desires us to be more like Jesus, and he tells us in his word exactly how that can happen. Now, in your notes, Charles Duhigg is quoted as saying this about keystone habits. He says, the keystone habit, his definition, is a habit that people introduce into their lives that unintentionally, you might circle that, underline it, unintentionally. We have intentional habits, but a keystone habit unintentionally carries over into other aspects of your life. It's no harder to develop than any other habit, which is a good thing, good news, but it has unintended positive consequences. Now, Dana talked about some of these earlier, some of our physical habits. By the way, speaking of habits, did you know that researchers show that when people are stressed in traffic, 70% of them will pick their nose? Did you know that? I mean, the things that you learn. I don't know if it's true or not. I just read it. But we know regular exercise helps, doesn't it? Anybody agree with that, regular exercise? It's good for you, right? It's good for your body. But researchers show not only will it make you more physically fit, you'll sleep better, you'll live longer, you'll be more productive at work. And get this, this is crazy. It says that you will spend less money. Who knew? Physical exercise. A keystone habit. Unintentional carryover. Making your bed every morning. 
How many of you kids say, but mom, but dad, it's just going to get messed up again, right? You say that. Why do I have to make my bed? It's just going to get messed up again. It's a keystone habit. Again, researchers say that if you make your bed every morning, you will like your job better. Really, you'll like your job better. You are more likely to own your own home if you make your bed every day. I don't know why, that's just what it says. Flossing your teeth, it only takes a couple of minutes. How many of you do that? Don't raise your hand, I don't want to know. Okay. If you do that, you'll be more organized, more disciplined, more confident. Keystone habits. We know it's good for our teeth, for our hygiene, but so many other blessings as well. Well, that's all wonderful, great, good. We're here today to talk about spiritual keystone habits. Now, in the, in the book, if you read it, Being Challenged, which I hope that you will, Zach Zender, the author, did a lot of research. He, he went and he looked at every single thing that Jesus did that's, that's registered in the Bible. Every single thing. And he categorized all of it. He came up with 30 habits. He said, that's too many. <laughs> I said, that is way too many. So he narrowed it, narrowed it down to five. Five, just five. And if we do these things as keystone habits, they have a carryover into the rest of our life. He lists them here, and we'll talk about each one of these each Sunday and throughout the week. Remember, remember begin reading on Wednesday. That's the introduction. Then next Sunday, we'll introduce the first habit, commit to community. Then the next Sunday, study scripture. The next one, prioritize prayer. Seek solitude. Choose church. That's what we're going to do over the next 40 days. But this is what I want you to do this week as we get started. I want you to put one small daily habit into your life this very week. How many of you have two extra minutes this week? Raise your hand. Anybody have two extra minutes? Okay, every single one of you, you need to raise your hand here. You've got two extra minutes. Raise your hand. You've got two extra minutes. Every single one of you, you can do this. And it's all we're going to do. I'm not going to make you read Scripture this week. You can if you want. Pray. You can if you want. All these other things. It doesn't even have to be spiritual. Just get in the habit of developing a new habit. So you've got two minutes. You can do anything at all in two minutes. So let's say, and this is just hypothetical, of course, let's say that you want to begin a new habit of regular exercise. Right? That's good for you. You know that. You know you ought to do this. This is how it could work in my house. Two minutes. I want to exercise regularly. So tomorrow morning... Monday, I get up early, and I go down into the basement. Because in the basement, we have this thing called a treadmill. Have you seen those things? They're monstrous contraptions. They are an instrument of death, I'm telling you. But we've got one. They're supposed to be good for your health. So two minutes, this is what I will do, hypothetically. Because it's only the development of a habit. I don't actually have to go down there and begin on the treadmill. I only have to use two minutes to get into the habit. So I'll go down there in the morning and I will turn the treadmill on. 
and I will watch it run without me for two minutes. My habit is established. I do that again tomorrow. Maybe I actually get on the thing and walk for two minutes, and I do it again the next day. Maybe I walk for three minutes, and I do it again the next day, and I walk for five minutes. And if I do that every day, I will have a new habit within the next 40 days. You can do this. Now I'm going to tell you the habit that I'm actually going to do. That was all hypothetical. (laughs) My new habit, and I'm telling you this, so you can hold me accountable. We all need accountability partners. I've got the whole church. (laughs) I've told them what I'm going to do. And that is, I am going to clean off my desk in my office right over there before I leave every day, starting tomorrow. So next Sunday, you can actually go in there if you want to, and you can actually see, does pastor have a clean desk or not? It should still be clean because he cleaned it the night before. And I hope you will tell me some of your new habits that you are going to establish. Remember in the beginning, it does not have to be spiritual, just a habit. Somebody told me this morning, I'm going to eat chocolate for two minutes every day. And I'm like, I don't think that's what I had in mind, but okay, it's a start, right? One habit. I know some of you are saying, but pastor, I've got so many bad habits. <laughs> I can't change... Some of you have a habit, I don't know what it is, but you have a habit you've been working on for your entire life and you haven't been able to change it. The good news for us is that Jesus is not just our model and our teacher, though he is, but he's our Lord and our Savior. If it was just a matter of being Jesus, our expectations would be so high that they would all be crushed. The truth is that I am going to fail from time to time in my new habit. The truth is some of you are going to fail from time to time in your new habit. But we have a God who takes small things and he can make them large. Didn't he take Five loaves of bread and two fish. And from that, what did he create? Food for thousands of people. And what does he say about faith as small as a mustard seed? It has the power to move mountains. And a tiny baby born in a feed trough in a little town called Bethlehem 2,000 years ago has brought salvation to the world. Paul writes this, it's in your notes. He says, No temptation has overtaken you, and that means each one of you, except what is common to mankind. Whatever your bad habit is, whatever you want to get rid of, whatever you want to change. Other people have gone through the, whole, the, the same thing. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The same God who has provided a way out of your sin. 
The same God who has provided a way out of death. The same God who went to the cross to die for your sins. The same God whose body was brought back to life when it had been dead. That same God lives within you. That same God provides a holy meal to strengthen you. That God's grace, as Paul writes, is always sufficient. His mercy gives you another opportunity tomorrow, the day after you have failed. His love does not judge you, but rather takes the punishment in your place. Let me encourage you again. God is your Savior, and His grace is sufficient in whatever new habit you choose. Let me finish with a little story. This is from Tony Campolo, one of my favorite authors. He talks about a man who was a drunk, a wino. He lived in the ghetto. And yet there was this mission in town that he would often go to. It's the only place where he could get a square meal and a clean bed for the evening. And so he would frequent often. Well, over time, because the gospel message was proclaimed regularly. This man, his name was Joe, who everyone else thought had been hopeless, who had never turned his life around, did just that. God got a hold of him. He touched his heart and he transformed his life. And pretty soon, now Joe was hanging around the mission to help others. He would just hang out and wherever he could. There was no task that was too small, nothing that was beneath him. He would clean the vomit from the drunk. The filthy men's bathroom, he would get down on his hands and knees and scrub the floor. When the drunks came in at night, he would would help them as they stumbled to their bed. When they were physically incapable, he would undress them and tuck them in. And the next morning, he would feed them breakfast from a bowl and a spoon. Well, one evening, as the story goes, they were having their regular service. That was a requirement. See, if you wanted to bed, (laughs) you had to go to the service and hear the message. And as the director of the mission was concluding, there was another man. He came stumbling down the aisle. And he came and he knelt in prayer and he just cried out, Oh God, help me be like Joe. Oh God, help me be like Joe. Just help me be like Joe. Just help me be like Joe. And the director came and knelt beside him and he said, Son, you know, maybe your prayer ought to be, Help me be like Jesus. (laughs) And the man said, Is he like Joe? as we develop holy habit, Our goal is not to be perfect, but rather that the world would know the difference where Jesus ends and you begin. That your relationship with the Father might grow 
and that others might see Jesus in you. I pray you develop holy habits over these next 40 days. If you've already got them, hallelujah. Encourage those around you to do the same. Amen? Let's all rise.